Ready, aim, release! Hello! It's, uh, it's another Monday, right? It's another Monday. Uh, it's another Monday and I'm back. Um, you'll notice that my, my friend this week, Carlo, isn't here. Um, he is uh, not joining us today. Um, he's, he's having to, to do some family slash friend commitment stuff. Um, so it's just me. Um, so yeah, I have no idea what we're going to talk about, really. I mean, I've got some ideas. That would be lying if I said I didn't have any. Um, but we're just going to take it by ear today and see what happens. Um, let's get our... Should we get a picture of, of Carlo going? Because, you know, where would we be without at least a picture of the, the poor man? Um, Grant says anyone bring popcorn I didn't, I brought some de uh, what do you call them? Jesus, roasted peanuts but I've forgotten what you call them dry roasted um, thingy on um, <clears throat> Willard's eating popcorn good and I've had a haircut, yes I've had a haircut um, I had a haircut because it was getting far too long and I was at a wedding over the weekend so that, that, that that's the main reason I got a haircut um Cool. Oh, yeah. By the way, um, we don't talk about it very often whatsoever. But for those of you who are watching and uh, and have not checked out the uh, NRG tea, uh, Teespring um, as of late, for those of you who are interested in buying merch, um, do head, on, head over to the, uh, the Northern Realms Teespring if you do fancy anything. Um, let's, uh, let's get it up here. There we go. Roasted peanuts are the best, Grant, it's true. Um, <laughs> uh, check out all the cool merch. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is I actually had something arrive last week. So I'll stand up to show you all this fancy one off, which is the, the classic Mammoth Old Pivot uh, t-shirt, which I'm happy to finally have. Um, so yeah, do check out all the stuff there. That's uh, that's not for us, obviously, at Stats. That's over for uh, Daryl and the boys over at NRG um, and the great stuff they make, which is, you know... Some of the stuff they make is great. Some of the artwork they make. So anyway, um, yeah, on with the news of the week. Uh, I guess the news of the week being there was no news. Um, as is becoming almost customary now, um, the, there's nothing. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that as in like, oh, God, there's, there's literally nothing. But um, no one has said anything... You know, you know, the game designers haven't set out anything. Uh, there's been no posts from, you know, the main groups or anything like that um, from any of the designers. Uh, again, you know, we're moving into 120 plus days now of uh, essentially nothing. Uh, we saw it the, back in the last week. So this is on um, uh, Friday, the main group posted. Uh, the main page on Facebook posted and said that Castle Loyalist, Drowned Men and Riders of High Garden are now available in the US. Um, that's been about it. You know, we've still had uh, the odd post around different people doing well at different um, uh, qualifiers. Um, but so far, we haven't really seen anything come out majorly in terms of we've, you know, we haven't seen... Uh, a list of qualified players generated from Seamon at all. Um, 
there's been no communication at all regarding World Cup, which of course there are now qualifiers for that. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll just wait, wait and see uh, over the next coming weeks if anything happens there. Um, we are certainly overdue uh, a chat from the designers, I think. Um, so we'll see. Um, all right, so I guess that brings me on to the main meat and potato of today then really, um, which, if anyone could guess with the name of the episode, uh, we are going to be looking a little bit at Starks, mainly because Starks aren't doing too well. Now, Greyjoys, we could look at Greyjoys. Um, I don't feel qualified enough to talk about Greyjoys. Um, not suggesting that I am qualified enough to talk about Starks, of course, but at least I've been playing Starks. I haven't been playing uh, Greyjoys, certainly for a long time. So... Um, their poor rating, couldn't talk to you about, uh, although Carlo losing a lot of games with them is, you know, definitely adding to that. Uh, not the major factor, of course. Uh, but Starks, you know, where are Starks at? Well, uh, it is now, uh, as of uh, tomorrow, the end of April. Yes, 30th of April today. So tomorrow is the end of April. May. May, as my partner's just rectified behind me. Jesus, I'm a month out. Clearly there's something wrong. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I'll talk about that in a second, Nicholas. Uh, yes, um, they do have a positive win rate, just about. Um, they are uh, roughly, you know, keeping track. Uh, you know, with a sixteen percent uh, pick rate as well. That's one in one in six. A six of the player base, which for you know seven factions and neutrals. It's not too bad, you know, that, that there's a decent pick rate, and they'll always be higher picked because, of course, starter box content um, and newer players know the Starks from the stories. For those who, you know, not massively invested in Game of Thrones, they'll know who perhaps Rod Stark, Eddard Stark, those characters are. Um, but the win rate are circulating around about 50%, you know, a bit above, a bit below, depending on the time and the, you know, what's happening, I think. Um... But yes, Starks. It's not looking brilliant for them, though. Um, and I think there's obviously a lot of discussion around what builds they may or may not have. Um, Eddard being obviously the most popular commander. Um, but not necessarily. I mean, well, it's certainly the best commander if we look at the, uh, the options we've got available to ourselves. Um, but he's not hands down like massively shooting above you know great great job numbers not far behind at all um but it is you know looking down towards the uh, the bottom end of that list the likes of rob stark and roderick cassell oh that's not good and um if we were to actually shoot down all the way to the bottom of the list nowadays uh it is in fact rob stark who is now among one of the worst commanders in the game with roderick not far off um, I do think Rob's cards are not very good, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, I don't know if he is that good a commander. I, I personally don't like him. Uh, I think, I think his cards don't really do anything um, that are positive, really, not massively. Um, so, yes, I can understand why he's poor. Now. 
we do see a lot of Eddard, though. We see a lot of Eddard, and we see a lot of Eddard with lists not too dissimilar to something like this. Eddard's on a guard with something like uh, a six-point unit, be that Stark Outriders or a Mormont Vet Starts on Sword unit, or um, Bowman, or she-bears any of those options coming in there then usually she-bears with rick on usher uh, is a common pickup obviously picking up shaggy dog and a stark swan sword mormon vet kind of taking that that last place um there are options of course within this to move rick on and usher if you really want to um sometimes we see stark swan swords get traded out for stark swan swords um uh, sorry, Stark Sworn Swords with the Mormont Vet get traded out for Naked Sworn Swords, giving you an extra point for a seven-point option um, in with that uh, Eddard kind of like shell. But that is the typical thing we see. Um, there's nothing spectacular there. It's all just solid, uh, solid units. And obviously Eddard with his Honor Guard really pulling up the weight of the majority of the list uh, with his abilities to kind of like steamroller enemies if you get the uh, fear of the fallen to come out in the right way now ncu pickups we've seen typically aria catlin and baelish as the three baelish loses a lot of potential if you're not running um if you're not running specifically bowman because you're not interested in like blocking horses to take swords that often um and you know there's discussion there as to what fills in that third role. Lyanna hasn't, you know, hasn't necessarily taken a spot in the Eddard lists. They haven't got the uh, the sacrifice, really, to give Lyanna a huge boost. But Lyanna is, of course, an option. Uh, but more popular is Sansa. Uh, Sansa to recover Fury of the Fallen and also Northern Defiance. That's the auto pass within short of Eddard or a re-roll. Very, very popular pickup um, is, is Sansa there. Uh... Yes, Aaron, I was going to move on to Merck's uh, Rick on Osher, um, which you'll notice on the, uh, well, those of you watching live will see uh, on the right-hand side, me, my nine activation Stark lists, which I'm going to discuss, uh, as I do genuinely think that it's a, a thing, because certainly one thing that we're going to look at is um, the struggle, the struggle that Starks have with certain other factions, specifically Free Folk and Night's Watch in particular. Um... You know, I'm not saying they're great against, uh, you know, the likes of Brathians either, but um, they're really struggling. It's Free Folk and Night's Watch at the moment. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of shell of the Eddard list. As you say, Sansa to grab certain cards out is particularly more popular with Bail than Baelish, especially if you're not running Bowman. Um the Baelish Bowman combo is about the only thing we see as an alternative. If you're running the Stark Outriders or another combat unit, uh, Sansa typically takes the spot. Um, so, these lists we've seen do well. Uh, Jacob Online is doing, doing well, things like this. Um, there are variations on this uh, that people run with things like Heagling NCUs and stuff. Um, people sometimes shave a point in the list. Maybe he's dropping Mormon She Bears out. Um, Maybe able to pick up a unit of Tully Cav that's more similar to a Psycho Steez list. Um, and there's a lot to be said and there's a lot to be gained from these kind of Eddard. Typically seven or eight. Sometimes we see the seven, uh, but the eight 
Eddard list is, is a very common one that's being picked up and used and does okay. You know, does fine, right? Um, Eddard is Eddard is doing well overall in the grand scheme of things. He's doing okay. Um, he's not spectacular, but he certainly is the best pickup for Stark at the moment. Say, Great John is a is a second there, not too far off. Um, and he is decidedly middle of the pack now. Part of that is being dragged down slightly by Stark's overall performance being poor. Um, Eddard is not massively outperforming Stark's, although he is massively outperforming some of the other uh, some of the other commanders in Stark's. Um, but yes, there's Eddard. The Great John Amber lists usually very similar, usually packing maybe it's a seven or eight list. Sometimes they're running uh, BBG, sometimes they're running two NCUs. Uh, variations on the list obviously exist. Um, I don't really have a standardized Great John list. I feel like Great John is uh, a little bit more tested with in terms of what units work and what don't. But we have seen uh, a lot of Greyjoys mixing in with Tully Cav and Starts on Swords or... Uh, some people go in the Berserker route, although Berserker Mormont Vet has very much fallen off in favour. Uh, not popular commander combo at all. Um, so yeah. Now on the uh, on the topic of uh, units, um, let's actually have a look at Stark overall. Uh, by the way, Osha still coming up in number one uh, with a higher rating than Rickon because some people don't put Rickon in their lists. I don't know why. Sorry, don't put Osher in their Rickon list. Sorry, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So the worst things you could be taking then at the moment: Karstark Spearman at six, Bowman not doing particularly well at six either. Poor pickups for six, which is surprising because people think Umber Berserkers are bad at six. They aren't good, but Berserkers are outside of the she-bears the best performing six-point unit in Starks at the moment so that's a thing <laughs> that's a thing right they are significantly lower than she-bears though um she-bears are by far the most highest performing thing and some people will sit here and argue Starks on swords of the moment veteran are higher performing than umber berserkers which is probably true um so six point unit options and choices there there isn't much going for you there really isn't it's either she bears or bust um so do consider that do definitely consider that when building your lists you know is this really a space for a six pointer or can i take this six point and this five point and make or sorry two these two six pointers and make one of them a five and one of them a seven um Eddard Donegard is the kind of like the only other one. I, I do feel that talking about Eddard Donegard is a bit difficult because obviously he he pushes you towards a particular commander and a particular unit. But you'll notice that he's there, uh, arguably better rated than the She Bears, and he does pull its weight. The unit does pull its weight. Um, so the other things to mention, obviously Rickon, uh, Rickon should do very well, and with Shaggy, Shaggy is pulling down wins at. You know, a uh, very good rate. He is actually the best, the highest rated unit in the game. The the best thing you can do in a Stark list, basically at the moment, is to put 
Rick on an Osher in the list, and then put Shaggy in. <laughs> and that's your first unit. And it's like, we haven't even got a unit for Rick on yet, and that's still your best thing that you've done. Um, Aria has been really putting up the numbers. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great NCU pick up, but we'll talk about NCUs in a little bit as well. Um, Tally Cavaliers, obviously very good, uh, going down the eight point route. Now, there is reason to justify, and uh, I did have a list I wanted to look at here Steve's low activation, relatively low activation list. Uh, using his Eddard, looking at uh, the seven activation list, where he runs the double, double Tully Cavalier Glory Seekers, then Rickon and Osha picking up Shaggy, then the Caitlyn and Arya NCUs. This has a lot going for it as well. The Tully Cavalier Glory Seeker combo is something we saw out of uh, Baratheons, and then using the Champions of the Stag for a very similar impact or similar effect. Um, but this hits the activations at seven rather than uh, the six that we more commonly see out of the Brathians. Sometimes those Brathians do run at seven as well, of course. Um, these are running uh, Eddard on a guard with Eddard, of course. Tully Cavaliers, Glory Seeker, Tully Cavaliers, Glory Seeker, Stormcrow, Mercs, Rokon, Osha, and Shaggy Dog, uh, Arya, and Catelyn filling in the two NCU slots. Um, so, is there a lot to be said there? Yes, this list is probably quite good for a seven activation list. It probably can bulk up into eights specifically because Eddard and Fury of the Fallen is so prominent especially with the Hellstelly Cavaliers as well bringing in healing into the deck which is otherwise missing completely in Starks there's no healing whatsoever um outside of Eddard and CU which we won't cover um and then bringing that healing in and bringing those those two tough nuts to crack that also hit like trucks um is this a good list Steve does well with it um, is that because the list is good or Steve is good? Steve's very good uh, in the UK. Psycho Steve, if you've not played against him, try and get a game with him online or in person. Uh, he's a very good player. Does that mean the list is good? Probably means the list is pretty good. Uh, it probably means that he's just also very good. Um, and it's a, a good player piloting a mediocre list, meaning that he's beating a lot of people because he simply is that good. Um, so, not my cup of tea, not my style, but I understand uh, that this list is, is potentially quite potent. So it might be a list that you want to try. Um, great John lists, as I said, the Shaggy combo with the Sacrifice Wounds into you know ridiculous dice with Shaggy uh, is very good. Uh, last Stand, again, with Shaggy getting these big dice rolls coming out. Um, very popular, very, you know, people enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, play around with that if you want to. Uh, there is a lot to be said there. Um, just reading chat. Uh, stopping, Mickey, stopping playing Free Folk. I am for a bit, Brian. I, I'll be returning to them in, well, mostly in person because I only really own Free Folk. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. I uh, I have not I ditched the wilding look purely for a wedding. Um it needs to be presentable for. Um has the haircut scared off the other presenters left you flying solo this evening? Yes, Paul. Unfortunately, basically that is the case. It turns out that cutting your hair makes people leave you. Um and I have indeed inadvertently killed Carlo. I've taken away his power, as we know. Uh, that's why he's lost so many games recently. Cut the hair, Carlo loses his power. But that guy in Greek mythology, right? 
Um, so, um, nine activations then. This is something that I think is honestly worth considering. I don't think people play it enough. Now, interestingly, I was coming to this conclusion. I was coming up with this idea myself. Other people have tried it. It's certainly not unique. It's certainly not my my thing that I've built. You know, I'm not claiming claiming ownership or anything like that. Uh, but it's certainly something I was flirting with. Um, I know that our my colleague Dan uh, Durham, um, he has run the list at nine to varying degrees of success. Um, he ran a nine activation at LGT and felt like he did well with it. Um, I think it won the games that he played it in, so he was pretty content with it. Uh, reverse Samson, thank you, Desmond. Um, so yes, the nine activation lists. I think they have prominence in a game where we're looking at eight or nine activations. Um, we already establish uh, early on, and we'll un uh, reiterate that establishment now, I think. Starks are not going to outheal any other faction. Unless you go for this kind of steel list, you're not going to outheal other factions. You don't have innate healing. Your access to healing is the bags at Edard NCU or Tycho, which, you know, everyone has Tycho. That's, that's not a thing that's special. So, realistically, we have to be looking at ways of making it so. Samson wasn't Greek, there you go. Probably Roman. Uh, I am not that familiar with the story of Samson. I do uh, apologize. Um, the overall kind of like strategy of playing these higher activation lists in Starks, in my opinion, is that you are going to be playing into nines or eights yourself, which gives you one activation at the end of each round or one activation at the end of every other round to do something important with now with crit blow style units in stark sworn swords and with she bears there are options for you to be explosive now can you rely on just rolling sixes and not rolling a one um for the charge no that's not a game plan that is not a strategy <laughs> like you should not base your entire strategy about i'm gonna blow things up with crit blow um I don't personally think that's a great strategy, uh, but it has merits, and we'll come to that in a second. Um, but we need to get to this point of feeling confident with our list, right? So what I've basically been doing is I will build a list, uh, and I will start by doing the best decision I can. Rickon, Osher, Shaggy. Then I personally... Because we're going to nine, I am looking at Brown and Hodor and adding in Summer. Right? So now I know I've got two units I need to take, and I've got eight points in the list currently used. Uh, I'm also picking up for this list, knowing it's nine activations, knowing what the weakness of the list is likely going to be, I'm picking up Lyanna. Um, Lyanna, I am looking at one, you know, the morale test being good, that's good. The plus one to morale tests, but actually looking at that two and three slot, or the one and two slot, sorry. Crit blow on melee units. Well, why am I paying for crit blow on units if I can get it from an NCU with the sacrifice of a dog? So if I can make a dog sacrifice worth it, I'm then getting Stark Sworn Swords for kind of free. 
That's good. And automatic passing panic tests. This is huge. This is huge because you are playing nine activations. People will often say, but what about your bad morale? What about Mel? To which point I would say to them, I don't care. I'm not going to outheal a Mel list with anything in in Stark, you know, except maybe the Tully Cavalier type stuff. I'm not going to beat that list by trying to outheal it. So I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to go, right, I'm 7 morale. Maybe I'm 8 morale. Maybe I'm 6 morale because I've got Weirwoods. Maybe I'm 5 morale because I've got Rick on Usher and Lyanna. And then, yeah, you make me test at 7 or 8 and we'll play the casino game. Um, I don't care. I'm going to lose units. But I then circle back round to right. Well, the two dogs are now no longer my missiles. These are my units to win the game with. Um, Mel's not going to kill these guys. It, unlikely, right? Um, if your if your opponent is melling the dogs on early rounds and gets a kill, then that's sadness. If your opponent is melling dogs in the hope of getting a kill and not killing your units, I think you're fine. <laughs> Um, so, your dogs become your carry. Is that a problem? Is this a good thing? Yes, because your dogs can now gain, kip, uh, can gain crit blow with Lyanna Mormon. Um, is that particularly amazing? No. Is it pretty good with Shaggy? Yes, seven dice with crit blow on a dog is suddenly very scary. Um, so there's a, a synergy there that we can look at. Alternatively, um, that... 3 plus, re-rolling any attack die, that is not assigned to just melee attacks. That is assigned to ranged attacks as well. And this builds us towards a list or should get you thinking, well, you know, bowmen or range units. Uh, bowmen suck. <laughs> so we go to the other only other range unit we have access to, realistically inside the base Stark set, which is the Kranigman Trackers. Um... We'll invest those in. Traps are very good. Traps are very, very good. And I'm saying that as a Free Folk player, where da automatic damage is great. Now, let's talk about that for a second. Stark, Stark Bowman in at six, they're a point more. What are you gaining? What are you losing? Well, seven dice on four plus is different to seven dice on three plus. Seven dice on four plus is approximately three and a half hits. Let's say three to four. Uh, seven dice on... 3 plus is circulating at 66%, right? So we're talking 4 to 5. Uh, more commonly on the 4 end. Uh, but that 5, you know, it's not unreasonable at all. So the 3-4 split versus the 4-5 split, that means you're doing one more hit. Through armor saves, that's going to be against low armor, of course. That's more likely to be one extra wound. Against high armor, it averages a lot less than that. Um... It could be one extra wound, though. Let's approximate it to be one extra wound. So every time the bowmen shoot, we are, at best, getting one extra wound. Okay. You've got six plus armor, which is exactly the same as bowmen. So you're not paying any more for defensive saves. The morale saves, seven plus. No different. And then you say, oh, yeah, but bowmen are longer and they can shoot through terrain and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that has, that has some effect. 
But then I would argue hidden traps. That's four auto hits on a full health unit, or three auto hits, or two on a solo. That has a huge boon. Because four auto hits on a low armor unit is likely three wounds on a five plus. Three wounds is predictable as an outcome. So that's pretty good. Pretty good when the difference between bowmen and trackers was one wound every shot. So Hidden Traps is now actually better than Stark Bowmen. You're paying one less and you've got, in theory, every round a higher damage output. Now, yes, you don't get to use Hidden Traps on units engaged, but that is the ethos of the list, right? We don't, we don't, want, we don't want to be shooting into melee if we can avoid it. Again, more on that later. So we're not building our list to do that. So we've got a unit that's outperforming a six-point unit, and it's faster. It's a point faster. It's got six movement over the Bowman of five. Okay, there's a one-dice drop-off on two ranks. But it even hits decently in melee. Now, why does hitting on a four-plus matter with melee compared to the Bowman hitting on the fives with a five-four-three versus the six-four-three? Well, this is huge. Okay? There is not a single card in the deck of Starks that promotes the use of ranged units. Winter's Might does jack shit. Northern Frosty does jack shit. Dev Impact does jack shit. North Remembers does jack shit. Winter is Coming does jack shit. Assault Orders does jack shit. None of those six cards of the seven base cards promote the use of Bowman. To free position allows the use of range units in a different way it is a positive use towards bowmen but it's also just a good card it is good for anything that wants to change alignment get into flanks get out of a non-charged position anything like that it's not significantly better on range units than it is on melee units it's just a good card so we don't have anything in the deck that promotes the use of ranged so I don't want to overinvest into range either. But Cranags on six dice on fours, okay, they lose crit blow. But hang on, six dice on fours is still just Dark Sworn Swords with one less dice. Right? In fact, it is exactly the same profile as Dark Sworn Swords, just with one less dice on all ranks. Now, one less dice is significant. And yes, they don't have crit blow. But do they not? We just talked about it before. Lyanna, right? Lyanna gives crit blow where we want it. And we're taking Lyanna to the boards to take swords because we're Starks. On every given opportunity we can. Or Lyanna onto bags to heal because we're Starks and we don't have any healing. At every given opportunity that we can. Or we're taking Baelish onto horses doing something there. If we're taking Baelish. So I don't care that I don't have with native... I don't come with native crit blow. Okay. We're getting there. Okay, defensively, Start Sworn Swords are, are up there. You know, I'm not... I can't compare the defences. Start Sworn Swords are just simply better in the defence aspect of the game. But Cranamer Trackers are really significantly better than Stark Bowman if we look at the deck and if we look at the stats and the damage output that they're trying to put out. So, that's my justification behind Cranamer Trackers, as much as it is long and winded and people are fed up with it. <laughs> So, 
The other option we've got, if we want to be as lean as we possibly can in list building, remember activations are key and paramount to what we're trying to achieve with this build, being a counter Night's Watch slash counter Free Folk. Stormcrow Mercenaries with Adaptive coming in, yes, without Crypt Blow, but we've just talked about Crypt Blow. They are one morale worse than Start Sworn Swords. For all other intents and purposes, they might as well be Start Sworn Swords. And they can't be motivated by coin for more attacks, which we might want, especially if we're talking Brandon Hodor for an extra wound. Rick on an Osher in this unit makes it a unit Start Sworn Swords without Winter's Bite. Fine. Cool. Let's move on. This has value. Remember the core basis of the list is we are not wanting to engage in melees unless we actually want to take a melee option. We're looking to grind an opponent out, to wear them down, remove their wounds, and kill units when we can. That's the purpose of the list. So, let's go back to it. We've got these core. We've picked up Lyanna. We might go away and decide to pick up Baelish now. Um, Baelish is obviously a very good NCU and very, in my opinion, classic to running these kind of Kranigman core, which you'll notice I haven't added to the list still. And this is because I think that the next most important decision that we can make is the commander option. Um... Before I decide what these units are that Bran and Rickon are running in and where I'm boosting these things, I have to decide what commander I'm running because the commander choice I have is going to di dictate the style of five-point units I'm going to pick up. So, I've not run it, ironically. <laughs> I've not run it with Howland yet. Uh, I'm not running Howland because I didn't need a Howland badge. I already have Howland for the badges. Um, I do think Howland is going to be a very good choice. I think Howland is a very good choice, straight up. Not even he's going to be good. I think he's probably very good. But I'm willing to sit here and say to you today that I don't know if Howland is a good choice. So investigate that one on your own. However, I'm looking at Brendan, and I'm going, does Brendan do anything? And the short answer is no. I don't hate the Blackfish. He's not good. Personally, I don't think he's that good. Warcry on activation is just sad. Um, I hate Warcry on activation. Um, set for charge memeing with Stormcrow Dervishes is nice, but it makes the list so unbelievably lean at nine. Um, you're running Brynden in uh, out uh, Dervishes. You're running probably three NCUs at four points apiece. So that's 12 and 7, 19. You're running the Rickon, Osher, Bran, Hodor, Summer. Uh, shaggy system there and you're taking Stormcrow Mercenaries to reduce the costs there. So there's another 16 points in those two NCUs. 19 and 16 leaves us 5 points left. Yes, you managed to pick up a naked unit of Kragman Trackers or Stark Sworn Swords or uh, you can't even run Cutthroats. You don't have the points for Cutthroats in neutrals. Um, you're probably picking up I mean... You could run Castite Loyalists, but you'll probably pick up Starts on Swords or Kranigs. And if you're running the 9, I would prefer the Kranigs. Um, and then you're running not Baelish, because you can't afford Baelish with neutral tax allowance. You're at 17 already. Baelish will take you to 21. Um, so you're not even running a neutral NCU. 
Do I think Brynden is good for the nine activation list? Therefore, not really. Um, I ran it today. Actually, of all, of all days, I ran it earlier today. Yeah, I wouldn't rate it. So let's abandon Brynden for now. Howland, as I said, untested, might be worth checking out. Does Eddard work with this list? Probably, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eddard is probably a very good option for this list. Um, because Eddard's a very good commander. You still have the points allowance to run the Honor Guard if you want to run the Honor Guard. And there is opportunity to kind of like let Eddard go and just go and kill things. Um, I haven't played it. I have built the list. I think it would work. And I think that as a core concept, people should go out there and try that. I think Howland and Eddard will both work fine with this. Um, and I do think it has merits. So try that out. Tell me how it goes. Great your number with this list. Um, yes, there is some play. The problem with Great John Umber is I do not want to invest in Berserkers. That means I've got one Umber unit. Where does it mean I'm playing Berserker Tactics? Well, Berserker Tactics is going to be used on Shaggy. It's going to be used on Great John's unit. It might be used with Bran and Hodor's unit to do kind of like three, four, five auto wounds. Bang. Um, I do quite like Great John in the list, especially if you're running into quite a heavy giant-esque or Balon Bay. Baron, Baron lists, Blind Baron from Greyjoy. Um, if you're running to metas like that, yes, Berserker Tactics, a brilliant card to remove Mag from the game with uh, Brandon Hodor, where you just go in and write, right, I'll roll seven dice on fours with you, bang, and then you go, okay, well, that's seven dice on fours, and you go, yeah, and take one wound from Brandon Hodor, and then take another four wounds from Berserker Tactics. So your six wound giant just took five wounds automatically good luck um if that is the meta you're struggling into uh then that is the play um if you're not running into those kind of metas and where giants aren't as applicable then great john probably is not necessarily the best pickup you do have the wound allowance and you do have shaggy dog to do the combos there um you do have the opportunity as well because of the nature of what this list does in terms of wearing players down you do actually have a Reckless Heroism into Overrun setup because you're talking about units on half-health. And you can get Great John Umber in to go bang, bang, bang. Kill one unit, Overrun into another unit. Perhaps you can kill that unit as well. Try it, is all I can say there. I don't know if you're going to be able to get that reliably and regularly, especially if we talk about the free folk, maybe Greyjoy opponents that you're looking to face with these style lists. But it is worth a consideration if you are interested in doing it. Um, Lash out is fine. Is absolutely fine. You know, most things won't one-shot other things. Uh, they will leave you on bad health because you've got shit morale uh, and shit armor saves on the majority of stuff. You might they might do two ranks to you, so lashing out has power, but you're not umber or anything, so you don't care. And last stand is a good card, but you're using it with Shaggy or you're probably using it with like a brand Hodor unit. You're not that interested in running it in most most else places. Rob, 
I'm just going to tell you now, I think he's shit. Don't bother looking at him. I like to think running this list with three walls with Rob Commander and things like this would, would make the list better. I don't think it does. I think it just makes the list worse. I don't think Rob is a good commander. Roderick. I don't think Roderick is good either. I did run a variation with Roderick and Bowman as the kind of core unit. And it is nice. Uh, I misplayed the game slightly against uh, Suster. Um, and as a result, he then played the game well uh, on his end and capitalized on my mistake, thus meaning the game kind of game fell away from me in Fire and Blood. Um, do I think the list is okay? Yes. Do I think the list is the best version of the list? No. I don't think Roder uh, Roderick is good enough. Combat Prowess feels like a good card. It's not. Um, Martial Superiority feels like a good card. It is, but it's telegraphed usually. Um, Pressy Advantage is fine, actually, with Kranigs, but you suffer a huge amount from putting tokens out in Starks, so you kind of need the... Uh, you need the She-Bear core and the Bowman core to get the three tokens and things like that. And all of a sudden, you're now talking about a lot of token gen and 12 points invested in the list, which is almost impossible to fit into the list while running the other core concepts we've already discussed. So, yes, you can do it with Roderick. I don't think it's good. Outrider Commander will shelve him. He's not the kind of list that he, he appears in. Maeve Mormon? Yes. I believe this list works with Maeve Mormon. I think I'm insane. The problem is you're waiting on a ruling. Uh, support of Bear Island mixed with Here We Stand is very fucking good. <laughs> um, if the opponent has no counterplay style, like counter strategy, counterplot, or Roost Commander, um, Support of Bear Island with Here We Stand is stupid. You can set Shaggy to one wound at an early stage in the game, do an Assault Orders charge with him, hitting someone with full souped up Shaggy, and then if they try and kill him, you Here We Stand, and now he has to make a morale test on a 2+, plus, uh, to not die. Now, the thing is with a morale test on 2+, plus, you can't fail that unless they've got Intimidating Presence or Corpse Piles. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, you can make an unkillable dog for a round. Now, the reason I say this could be really good to the, to the extent of being broken, if we are we are waiting on an FAQ ruling, to be honest, if here we stand can be used at the end of the round when Shaggy would die from here we stand being removed so you kind of chain here we stand with here we stand then you run sansa in this list you copy here we stand after here we stand you try and get them both out of your deck as early as you possibly can and just chain here we stand here we stand here we stand and you just use shaggy as a roadblock for the entire game and unless your opponent has something that they can deal with that with they just simply lose. Um, I personally believe that if you've got an unkillable Shaggy, then your opponent shouldn't be winning, especially if you've got nine activations against them. Because bear in mind, every time Shaggy attacks, where Assault Order's charging and makes his melee attacks, that's seven dice Vicious Sundering. 
and you can even add crit blow onto that by sacrificing some like summer away to add crit blow onto that attack and that could be happening more than once per round you should not you should not be losing that kind of game but here we stand might not allow that here we stand might not work that way which is why i say we're waiting for a ruling for that to be confirmed if it is confirmed and you can do that or if you can't you can't do it it's less of an issue it is slightly less egregious you can do it oh my god <laughs> um yeah i'm gonna be doing that a lot uh, and then we're looking for ricard now ricard we look at and we go ricard's not great feel by slaughter superior numbers taunt uh on a card need for vengeance cast out retribution uh retribution i don't hate it i don't hate it because you're nine activations nine activations means that your opponent has to activate before you that means that you can taunt them before you've activated that means that you can leverage the position of a taunted unit so I do think Rickard has play, and I do think Taunt in a 9 activation list will work for you in your favour. This is again not a meme. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying it. Taunt, not a meme. It has play. Do I think it's amazing? No. But it's good enough. And that's what we're looking for. Good enough. Ricard Sarstark's interesting as well. The fuel by Slaughter is healing. It keeps him high on wounds, something which we've discussed already. Stark's lacking. And superior numbers with the rerolls is important, especially considering that we can afford to chop, we can put bogs down. And we've got Cranningman trackers that are going to appear in the list. So we can trap enemy units, reducing their ranks. So hang on, if they reduce ranks. And we're charging into them. And we're charging over bogs losing our rerolls. But we have superior numbers. We get our ranks back. We get our rerolls. We didn't need anything else to give us rerolls. We don't need card synergy. We don't need anything else. That's pretty good. I like that. Need for Vengeance is fine. Again, not a meme with this list. It is a bit of a meme, but you can need for vengeance with Ricard Karstark. Get him a second attack after that last activation charge. He's going to open the round with an attack before your opponent can do anything. Hey, if he had superior numbers when he made the attack before, he's going to make that same attack with superior numbers again. And he's probably going to kill a unit if he just chained two attacks together. And that means he's got two attacks with rerolls in whatever unit he's in, one of them getting a plus one to hit. This is actually starting to look like a combo that can work. Okay? So, we should be looking at that and saying, that's not a meme. Castle Retribution coming out is fine. It's extra healing. It is something that's worth playing. It's something that's going to keep your cast arc engine and specifically what is a low healing deck a little bit more in the game. Do I think it's amazing? No. Is it good enough? Yes. And that's all that matters. If it's good enough. So, Ricard Carstart becomes a genuine option. So, 
after all that, long story short, after it's like 15 minutes just about commanders, right? Ricard, Maeve Mormont, probably Great John, Howland and Eddard are the five commanders you should be looking at for this list. Uh, if you've got an Eddard list or a Great John list as your kind of alt list or your other list in the pair, then you're probably looking at not running them again in a, in a two-match pair-up. Um, probably running Eddard as the main, so probably looking at Great John here. You might want to try Howland, but Maeve and Ricard are definitely worth considering. Maeve is probably on the bottom of the pile. So, I'm going to stick in Ricard for now. Um, but I will talk about the implications of that later on. So, at this point, I know I've got points left. And I have to go back to my NCUs and pick up Arya. I think Arya is very strong. Uh, Arya is one of the best NCUs in uh, Starks right now. Free movements are good. You're running an infantry list. Use Arya. Um... So, Arya makes the cut. Like we've discussed, you might want to run Baelish as your third NCU, or realistically your other option is going to be Sansa. Caitlyn, although it seems appealing and it gives you the token play and all this that, Caitlyn is probably not the option that you're looking to take. I know that sounds kind of like heinous, because a lot of people say, you know, Caitlyn is like the core of what Starks do, and kind of like a, a massively picked NCU that people love all the time. But it's just not really the point of what the list is trying to achieve. So I don't look at Galen. You can do if you wish. For now, we can. But it can be swapped out for Baelish. So we haven't even put a unit in there. We haven't even put a solid unit in our list yet. And we're at 20 points. We're halfway there. I know I'm reaching nine. I've got three and I've got five, which means I have exactly 20 points to make up Four activations. Now, 20 divided by 4, strange enough, is 5. So I've got four five-point options. Now, it's a little bit of a lie. Because I can add in Stormcrow Mercenaries to either Brandon Hodor and Rickon to give me up to an extra two points. So that's 22 points. 22 points allows for a 7-5-5-5 or a 6-6-5-5. Now, with She-Bears being so prominent, She-Bears might be the pick that you're looking to go for. And with a Ricard list or with a Maeve list, She-Bears are good. I do think She-Bears are worth considering. She-Bears, very good unit at six. If you're running an Eddard list or combo, you're looking to put Eddard in the list, of course. Eddard's Honor Guard would make the list. Roderick, I do think, has play with bows, but maybe She-Bears might be better. You can see where all of that kind of plays out. I'm now going to fill the list into what I believe worked for Rickard, and that is running him in Stark Sworn Swords, running Rickon Osher into the Kranigman, Bran into the Kranigman, and um, Karstark Loyalists coming in at the fourth pick. Okay, this is we want that second Karstark unit uh, to kind of like uphold the line a little bit. Uh, the attack profile is not much different to Stark Sworn Swords. You've got Lyanna for Crit Blow, making Stark Sworn Swords plus with Precision, and it's got a little bit more healing with Perseverance and Valor. I do think Castle Loyalists make the list, and they are exactly the same as Stark Sworn Swords defensively and attack profile-wise and movement-wise elsewhere. So I do think that that's an option for us. So the uh, list looks a little bit like this in the end. We start Sworn Swords, Ricard, Cranagman, Rickon, Shaggy, Cranagman, Bran, Summer, Castle Loyalists, Lyanna, Aria, Caitlin. Alternatives, the Mage list, something like this. Starts on Swords with Maeve, 
Kranigman, Kranigman with Rickon. Stormcrow Mercs making the fourth pickup with Mira, giving you three traps. And the two dogs, Lyanna, Arya, and Peter in this list. Do you think you could probably change that out for Caitlin? Um, and we have the... Not those ones. We have the other nine version, which I had. The Great John version of the nine, which I do think could probably need a change. But something like Great John in Starts on Swords, Rickon in Kranig, Bran in the Stormcrows. Picking up Rob in Kranigman in this list. I don't like this anymore. I'd probably move this out and put that in as She Bears. You could even add She Bears to Great John. Um, and then you pick up the four point NCU. In this case, we would pick up Lyanna. So, look a bit like that with Great John in Starts on Swords or She Bears. Granima Trackers with Rakan Usher. Stormcrow Mercs, Bran, Hodor, Shaggy Dog, Summer, and She Bears. I personally would probably put Great John in the She Bears and move the Starts on Swords to be another five point unit Kranigman. Um, so, there we go. Nine activation Starks. I don't know why I was going through it. I do believe that that is an interesting thing that people should check out. I do believe that it pushes down on what is okay in Starks at the moment. You'll notice that basically nothing that I pick up is below rated positively in the, the rankings currently. Cradleman Tracker is coming in at 15 on the list of just um, of just Stark stuff. Um, I do think that that might be the way to go. Um, what are we avoiding? Well, we are avoiding, unfortunately, uh, Stark Bowman. You know, uh, we're avoiding Roderick Cassell, the NCU. He's not as good as people think. Summer is the only weakness that we have in the list with Bran and Hodor. I personally believe it's the best way to get to nine. I don't believe there's a way of getting to nine without Bran and Hodor, without running Rob, and I don't want to run Rob. Um, so Bran and Hodor realistically is the only other option. So we're a bit, we are a bit pushed into that. Um, but then realistically, you know, the loyalists potentially that we're picking up as an option. But as I said, it's I think it's only in one or two variants that you pick them up. And then everything else that we're looking at is looking at the more positive end of the game. So that's the thoughts behind my Starks and what I was doing with it. It is working now. That might just be me rather than the lists being actually that good. Um, I do think it's worth considering, though, so do give it a check. God, I've talked for ages about that. Whew. The other thing we've got to talk about, uh, and that has done the rounds today, I guess, um, is the use of clocks in the game. Um, I'm going to allow Carlo to elaborate on clocks more next week. Uh, so it's a bit of a kind of like a, a sneak peek of what we're going to cover next week. Um, clocks are going to be the main area of discussion. And I do believe that clocks are probably necessary. Uh, they shouldn't be, but I, they probably are necessary if we're looking at, you know, competitive play at a high level. Um, and that's simply because, you know, we basically, you know, Carlo came to the conclusion, and I don't disagree, that if you give someone an infinite amount of time, then generally speaking, the person, if you give someone an infinite time, they will spend longer on their moves because there's simply no reason not to. 
there's always benefit for spending longer to making sure that the thing that you're doing is actually right. In a similar vein for chess, you know, chess, if you remove the time limit from chess, the longer you spend working out a line, the better your result is typically going to be. Um, yeah, simple idea, basic concept. Uh, the longer you have, the better, you know, the better uh, that your play could be. But that doesn't make you a better player. It just means that it allows you more time to think about the move and make a better move. So clocks are necessary in order to get games finished within time allowances and um, to make sure that there is actually progress. Now, I'll let Carlo elaborate on it more next week. But the purpose of the clock is depends a lot on what your community is trying to do with it. If you want games to finish, then the clock is there to make people play faster and finish a game in a given time. If you're not concerned with games finishing, but you just want to make sure that games progress, then the clock is there to make progress in a game. Fundamentally, they might not sound that different, but they are very different objectives and hugely impact the implementation of the clock. If you want people to finish games, and you're, you're saying in a tournament, everybody's game will finish in two hours, then people can talk about death clocks, you know, if someone runs out of time, the game is over and they lose. Um, that is fine. That is quite common in other kind of games out there. Chess uses something very similar, um, but they also have move lines. Lots of obviously variations in chess. Some chess variations lose, use move limits, and it's like, well, if you didn't make progress in a certain number of moves, it's a draw. Um, if you don't reach a certain position, you know, a certain kind of like limit beyond a certain point, it's a draw. Some people say, right, if it's you've got two hours to play the round or two hours to play the game, and if you can't, you know, if there's not enough uh, material on the board for one player to win, then we'll end it as a draw on timeout. Um, but if there's enough to, uh, material on the board for somebody to win and you run out of time, then somebody loses. The person who runs out of time loses. Um, that works. The other side of it, you know, the making sure that time is split equally and that people players progress through the game fairly and equally um as west coast is saying in ch chat there is to ensure that players are allowed equal time or roughly equal time now the reason you have to say equal time is that nobody in the history of anything ever takes the same amount of time to do something as somebody else right it's not about having a two-hour game where both players get one hour that's not actually good healthy or useful really for the game because all you're saying there it's an option that people can take if they wish to but all you're really saying there is you have two hours to play which is the same as saying just it's a death clock right there is a winner in two hours how you decide that is based on how you play um the purpose of having clocks if you want people to take the same amount of time notice not saying the purpose is for the game to finish. Yes, we want games to finish. Everyone wants games to finish. But 
if that isn't the purpose of adding the clocks, if you're not adding the clock for the game to then have to finish, the clock is simply there to allow players a formal way of discussing the social contract, which is the speed of the game. If somebody takes five more minutes than somebody else, that really is not a big deal. In my opinion, that's not important. Five minutes is here nor there in a two-hour game, right? You have rules discussion that go for five minutes. You have discussions about all kinds of things that go for five minutes. Five minutes is neither here nor there. So a five-minute difference between two people's clocks towards the end of the game is also not something I would ever penalise or punish. You know, that's just two people playing the game at roughly equal speeds. One person might simply have more actions or more activations on the board. If they have more things, it's going to take them longer. You can't penalise somebody for taking an equal amount of time per action, but simply having more actions. That's not fair. Now, could you argue that that punishes those styles of lists? You know, if you did say that, well, yes. You know, you could say, yes, oh, you, you spent five more minutes longer than your opponent, therefore we're going to punish you because you ran a list that takes a long time to do its thing. No. Um, you know, that's that's adding a, another factor into the game, which, you know, oh, how long does this list take to play that I don't think players want and nobody particularly wants to deal with. You don't, I personally don't consider how long it takes to play my list when I'm building it. I build my list because I think it's good. I then play it as fast as I possibly can within the given scenario. And as possible, as fast as I feel is comfortable for me to play that as well. Um, however, if you do want chess clocks to mean that equal time is shared, what is the limit? Now, if we're saying in a one hour and 45 game, and this was what Carlo would argue, and we'll hear Carlo's side of it all next week, and he'll really elaborate on this a lot more. But he was simply suggesting that in a one hour and 45 game, the worst case scenario, if you give both player one hour, is that one player takes 15 minutes longer than the opponent. In a one hour and 45 minute game, that one, power t one player takes up one hour and 45, sorry, one hour, while the other player takes up 45 minutes. Is a 15 minute difference between two players in a one hour and 45 minute game a significant enough difference in time play to say that one player was significantly ahead of the other? No, I don't believe so. I believe that if both players are within a 10 minute difference, then that's just down to lists and a couple of key decisions. I don't believe that that is a significant difference. Um, I don't believe that 15 minutes is a significant difference either. Um, so, yes, I, I don't believe that going through and saying that having 5 or 10 or 15 minutes even difference on the clock is a significant issue. If it was 20 minutes or 30 minutes... 30 minutes, all of a sudden, a 30-minute difference is somebody taking an hour, and 50, uh, an hour and 10, give or take, and somebody else taking about 40. It's rough, obviously. It doesn't quite work nicely. That's a problem. 
that's actually a problem because now somebody's almost spent double the amount of time. Almost. That's an issue, right? Because you're now moving to a point where we're almost talking a one third of the time was my game and two thirds of it was yours. And that is an issue. Um, whereas if we're in the much closer 15 minute difference, we're talking like maybe, what is it? It work out to be an hour to four, uh, three. So yeah, we're talking like three sevenths to four sevenths. Like that really is like, that's null and void, right? That That's, that's really here nor there. Um, but one third to two thirds is significant. So that's the point of adding the clocks was the kind of gist of what Carlo was trying to get at is that you should be adding the clocks so that players make good progress, but also so that time is equally divided. Does it matter if a game is not finished at round? A game doesn't reach six rounds before the end of an hour and a half, three quarters. Not really. It should. All games should. But realistically, not all games will. Um, not every game out there will end in that period of time. Okay. And as a result, you shouldn't penalize players. And I do mean players. Both players should not be penalized for not reaching the end of their game. If one player is playing significantly slower than the other one, though, that is an issue. Um, so that's why Carlo suggested an hour each and one hour, 45 minute time slots. Um We'll see what people's opinions are. We'll probably get some comments about it. Um, I don't hate it myself. Um, I think that that is just as good, if not the same as kind of the system we currently have. But at least it's got it monitored. Um, Hilo, you say in chat, uh, the thing you miss uh, with those lots of units is it takes longer to kill them. Horde armies make those same arguments years ago and were wrong. What, so because it takes longer to kill them, it means it takes more time to kill them i don't know what you mean by that because yes it takes longer to kill them but you're doing less actions if you've got less units it's as simple as that it doesn't take longer to do an action it takes longer to do more actions is the, the length of an action is roughly equivalent in all circumstances it can be averaged if you're doing more actions per turn your average turn length will be higher it's as simple as that it doesn't matter how long it takes to kill units an irrelevant point in my opinion um Craig, it seems pretty obvious why a clock would be added. Where it breaks down for me is the particular details of how that would be implemented. The logistics of the problem, as I see it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's never a nice thing to introduce anything new. Um, so, that is, yeah, sure, that is a difference. That is a uh, slight difference. Um, and it is a difference for a lot of people playing the game initially. Um it will be something people would have to get used to. Um, and that just come down with time. Without going in too deep into it, there is a whole discussion around social con contract, right? But um, what you want to avoid is you want to avoid fast play where people miss triggers. Because that happens and is just as bad if not worse than taking more time if somebody doesn't allow you to say duh, 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 then that would happen uh then then that's just not good so you want to have this opportunity the, the way i would see using it myself i've not 
really massively taken part in watching people play with clocks but the way i would foresee it is i would go right i am going to start my turn i have no start turn triggers and i'd hit the clock and if my opponent is listening to me which they should do they would then see right i'm now making a decision if i want to start a turn play or not and if they say no well then they can just like almost immediately hit the clock back and be like oh no boom that took less than a second most of the time um no time was wasted there there's no issues that is not the transition doesn't have to be that smooth as long as both players are playing both players are playing the game and doing triggers in the right way and like calling out what's happening at each round then the clock doesn't become an issue it would be difficult for people to start playing with those just out of the blue I, I do think people would have to get used to it um but i don't see that being a major issue um abiscus saying it's 25 percent or 33 percent difference depending on perspective yet yeah, in terms of time if i get 45 minutes and you get an hour you spent 33 percent more time than me yes that is true um you did spend longer you did spend an extra 15 minutes but that's within the realms of what we would consider normal and allowable play right if someone spent 15 minutes longer than you across the whole game that isn't a significant difference you know um especially if you know that is the whole game <laughs> that someone spent 15 minutes across the whole say i would say it um uh cameron then says uh the way you describe it is how i imagine it would work but has every possible trigger state been added to the game strictly speaking no but yes right that <laughs> every thing is a potential trigger right but there are triggers that are simply more common for example start of turn very common trigger at the moment in the game unit activation is a trigger against lannisters people should know that we're talking competitive end here people should know that an activation of a unit is a trigger taunt among other things and also lannister a lot of lannister cards and abilities work on that so a start of activation trigger yes activating ncu there are tons of triggers in the game that work off when an act uh, an ncu activates so you pretty much every single time go activate an ncu are you doing something um so yes there is a lot to be said there um do you think you need a delay or smooth uh, to smooth over the transition between players with tactics cards uh potentially lucas i don't think i don't think with the method we've suggested there that that would be significant an issue um do you think that adding a clock is off putting to new players though yes doug yes you still want new players to feel like they can attend tournaments and events yes doug um i do agree that adding a clock in is not necessarily brilliant for a new player experience but we aren't addressing the new player experience here it's specifically the higher level end um I do think if you made it standard that you have a clock that the new player experience would be only ever so slightly less like only ever so slightly impacted not majorly i don't think adding a clock you know people don't say because there's a clock in chess that a huge number of people don't play chess because there's a clock right i think of all the things in playing chess the clock is probably one of the few things that people really consider that much when they're getting into the game um 
they're definitely something that needs to be practiced with having tried them in other systems it's very easy especially early on to forget to switch it is a viscous it is um and you know that is something that ultimately comes with practice um as is the case you know when, when you know chess being the, the best example of this literally people do forget in chess when they're first starting out it's one of the few things that they learn and then they get so good at it that it doesn't become an issue anymore um the chess is like the, the clock they use the clock as a resource but forgetting to change the clock is not that common um so um yeah that's where it stands and that's where i kind of um, i'm you know i don't disagree there that that opinion of clocks or that implementation of clocks would be a bad thing i don't like games not finishing however i am abundantly aware that not every game can um and not every game will i don't think we should punish players for not finishing games either um i fundamentally don't think that punishing a player for not finishing is a problem as long as both players have felt they've got roughly equal time in the game um yes if someone spent two hours deciding their first start of turn trigger and then one for points on the board yes that, that's obviously that's obviously dumb um but if both players have spent an hour in the game and they've reached the end of round one and both players believe they spent an hour you know on the clock then yes that's not a good thing i won't promote that but i don't think that that's something i should sit here and say to them like oh well that game that person should have lost because they spent longer or that game that person's clock ran out two seconds before the other guys did or anything like that no i i just think that that's the speed those two players wanted to play at um and as much as i would not want to play at that speed that's not my game to play it's their game they were playing it why should i dictate the speed of the game they play um as long as both opponents are happy with the speed that they're playing at then that is fine it's when there's a disparity between the speeds where there's an issue um In chess, your opponent's penalized when you accidentally do stuff on your time. How would you handle opponent doing stuff on your turn before they hit the clock? Well, what do you mean doing stuff on your turn? Um, Doug, uh, I would just be lot, think there are a lot more people who would be trying to uh, to be put off trying to enter a game or gaming event with a clock than there are people who are put off uh, feeling they were slow played. Yeah, I do agree. I don't think this whole slow play discussion affects that many people. Um, and yes, the difference is at the moment, Doug, you can say you mentioned it to the TO, but there's nothing that can be done because essentially there's no evidence. Right. It's just a, I feel I'm being slow played. There's nothing, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I, nothing can be done by that, really. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the purpose of adding the clock in. Um, so, yeah. That's chess clocks anyway. Chess clocks. Um, I'll let Carlo kind of like expand on that a lot more next week with his ideas of how he would use it and how it would be implemented. Um, we are, well, I think personally that we're going to run a TTS event with chess clocks um, for patrons of stats in the near future. Um, so if you are interested in getting in on that, just, you know, drop us a message or let us know in the Discord and things like that uh, that you want to um 
but we are going to be running an event, I think, for TTS based around those systems. Um, yes, Cameron, completely agree. Slow play has an outside impact on higher level play. Um, most lower level competitors will neither encounter nor deliberately slow play. Completely agree. I actually don't know if I've ever met someone who deliberately slow plays. Um, me and Tom played a game that only went to round two at Durham. I don't believe that either of us deliberately slow played the other. I believe that both of us just played a slow game. Um, I wasn't happy that we only played two rounds at the end of the game. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm impressed that we only played two rounds or something like that. Um, I won because oh, I, I won because I managed my time better than Tom. No, nothing like that. We played two rounds because that was the speed of the game we played. We both said we played too slowly. That's an issue that both of us have to then fix. But, you know, we both played other games that weekend that mostly went to conclusions. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you you will encounter people who deliberately slow play. Um, yeah, it, it's a thing. Um, people will slow play. I don't believe people will slow play that often unless you make it competitive, because I don't believe there's an advantage unless people are trying to win by slow playing, and people are only trying to win if it's competitive. Um, you know, it's. It's one of those cases where slow playing is actually, you know, it is beneficial for certain players and certain list types or whatever. Um, I don't believe that it's anything. I don't believe that anybody in song that I've ever played has intentionally done it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the, the big one. Um, so anyway, yes. That's where it is. Uh, at the moment, that's my ramblings on Starks. Forgive me if you think I'm talking a load of bollocks. Um, if you're a Stark player and you play a lot of Starks and you think everything I said was a load of rubbish, then let me know. Um, because it may well have been. Um, so, you know, just, just shout at me violently uh, on text. You know, I do talk a lot of rubbish. Um, usually Carl has to put up with it. But uh, unfortunately, it was you guys alone tonight. So, events-wise, uh, let's have a look at some of the things that event. We had um, the NorCal Primer that ran, which was um, uh, Trash Panda Bats. Uh, Joe won winning it with his Night's Watch, which is fantastic to see. Scabman had his um, charity event, uh, where he played three rounds of ELO, or three rounds of uh, games against his wife. He played a mixture of lists and things like that, but they, uh, they went Oh, Scammon went three for three. Fair enough. Uh, funny, funny enough, his wife does actually beat him. Uh, relatively regularly, I've heard. Uh, Tobo Mott won the ELO event. Uh, Tobo Mott, for those of you who don't know, is a name from a while back. Tobo actually won the World Cup that we hosted online. Um, and yeah, he, uh, he was also the guy behind Mott's Armory, the Kickstarter thing um, project that unfortunately didn't uh, didn't make it uh, through various reasons, but a uh, player we have not heard from in a while. It's good to see him back in the game. Um, so, let's have a look at what other tournaments are coming up. Um, what have we got? We have got En Route to the Citadel, which is starting as of right now. Uh, those of you who are interested can check up on Galantil um, and what he is running with the French community. Um, 
they are streaming at on Twitch, um, strangely enough. Uh, streaming on Twitch, eh? Uh, they are streaming at www.twitch.tv slash Galanthil. Link in the chat. Um, they are streaming uh, the announcements and the kind of like the, the lists and things. I think they're going through all the various different aspects there um, on. Let's have a look. Let's uh, mute it. Um, see what they're doing. Oh, bloody adverts. Come back to that in a second. Um, there is an event happening in Bangkok, Thailand, which is fantastic. Uh, another event happening at. Um, uh, Invertebio, uh, is, uh, House of Orcs, I'm guessing. If it's Orcs jousting number two, um, it'll probably be the guys at House of Orcs um, having a small event there, which is fantastic. So well done to Italy for getting another event going. Uh, there's an event happening in Schweiz, Schweiz in Lausanne, Germany, Austria, Liechtenstein. No, Switzerland. Ooh, I was going to say, bloody hell, Liechtenstein. Yeah, so that's happening in Switzerland. So uh, an event happening in Switzerland. I've never heard of Schweiz. Uh, but that's great to see uh, a four-man local league happening in Switzerland. Fantastic. Um, is there one happening in Poland is what Paul Spurgeon says. And in Poland, there is an event happening in uh, Pepofa. Uh, what was that? That's a terrible pronunciation. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> Picture of the train station. Lovely. Uh, Pepofa. Peshkwa? I have no idea. An event happening in Poland, nonetheless. Um, what else have we got? We've got another event happening in Warsaw in Poland on Sunday. We have War of the White Cloaks. This is the massive uh, event happening in Leeds, which has reached 30 players now, I believe. Uh, some people aren't signed up on stats. But yes, 30 players going to that event in Leeds. I might be seeing if I can make the time to go down myself as well. Um, I have to check. But yes, that's one, two, three, four, five six seven events kicking off this week uh common sight to see seven events uh and uh, i really hope most of them go well um i'll be looking at en route to the citadel certainly um let's see if their stats are available we have got a significant uh lannister and baratheon entry um low on free folk and low on night's watch interestingly enough uh do have a look at that there's 38 players in this event um do have a little look through the list the french do do things a little bit strange so have a look at what they're running um mm. jack and mysterious prisoner <laughs> so um we'll leave it there for tonight guys that was an hour and 24 of my voice jesus christ you all have headaches i do apologize in advance for anybody or posthumously for anyone who has lost their hearing um or has lost their sanity while listening to me tonight but uh yes i will see you all back next monday with carlo being returned hopefully and we will chat more about clocks and more about what's gone on and the various different events that have been running have a look at leads see how that went and see how everyone else is handing out hanging out with the game um all right then guys thank you very much for joining me alone today uh and I will catch you next week. Take it easy. Ready, aim, release!